On this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the debt ceiling dilemma that's going on, as well as we're just going to chat a little bit about money and where it comes from and what the heck's going on with all that stuff. It's time for the Retire ASAP Podcast. Here's your host, Taylor Fike. Welcome to the Retire ASAP Show, where our goal is to get you free from work as soon as possible. My name is Taylor Fike. I am one of your hosts, as well as Brad Fike, my co-host. What's up, Brad the Dad? Good morning. Yes, it is a good morning. It's beautiful here in Ohio. I can't complain about sunshine and 70-something degrees, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, it's been pretty nice here. Uh, we're doing this podcast at the end of May here, so yeah. we're close to the end. Not quite the end of May. But uh, so the weather's starting to come around, so that's good. Yeah, that is always good. The fish are biting. The fish are biting, and we're mm-hmm. here sitting at the office. What are we thinking? I don't know. It's I supposed don't... to be cold this weekend when I come up, but I'm not even going to get to fish probably if it's going to be too cold. Well, we'll go out. No Just such thing as... Uh, bring layered clothes. We're no, going fishing. No such thing as bad weather, right? Just bad gear. Yeah, that's what your uh, <laughs> uncle says. That's right. Well, <laughs> anyway, we're not talking about fishing. We're talking about the hot news topic of... The debt ceiling. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, it might be fishing. <laughs> they got to fish for votes, They're right? fishing for some votes. Ho- that's, they can hook some votes That's certainly that. what both sides of the aisle are looking at. You got certain sides of the right going, hey, we're going to hammer against the Democrats and the liberals, and we're going to not, not budge one bit on this budget. And on the other side, they're promising, hey, as soon as this budget increases, we'll give you more social services and all these options. And you know where it's going to land in the end? Somewhere in the middle. Absolutely. Uh, They'll each get a little bit of their ways one way or the other. Something that's going to line the politician pockets and not our own as an no. individual American citizen. Never. I know. It's the crazy American people are always number one from all parties. That's, Both parties are always, always making decisions based on the American people. That's what my local legislator told me when I wrote him a letter one time. <laughs> if he even wrote me back, it was one of his staff members, I'm sure. Here, send him this form letter right here. I'll just use my stamp on yeah, it. Yeah, stamp good. my name. I don't even have time to sign it. I just don't have stamp time. my name on there. I'm busy having drinks over here at the congressional center (laughs) (laughs) Uh, shoot so the debt ceiling right this is a hot topic it's been a conversation since early january is when the first you know red flag popped up down in dc according to what some of the stuff that i've read and it was uh president biden had basically said hey we're not going to negotiate we're just going to raise the debt ceiling it's going to be fine just do it and then as the months gone on and people argued down there in D.C., we've gotten to the point to where our basically our U.S. budget is going to run out of money on June 1st. So oh I know. Isn't it crazy? We're I not don't gonna, know what we're going to do. The federal government, who prints our money, by the way, our, our federal government is not going to have any money to use. What, what are they going to do? I don't know. I'm glad I got a bunch of seeds in the drawer because I'm going to have to raise my own food. You're on your own, man. It's uh, Armageddon time. I mean... I know we're joking and kidding. It is kind of a scary thing, though, in theory of what happens if the U.S. defaults on their debts? What happens if the U.S. can no longer function their social services or governmental services, which, by the way, is like the number one employer in the United States is the U.S. government. Millions and millions and millions of jobs. What happens when they they can no longer pay you or they can no longer function? And this is it's funny because I think. Uh, people my age and maybe a little bit younger than me, the Gen Z and uh, younger millennials, all of us, we've heard this before, but we've never been really old enough to comprehend what's going on. It never was a TikTok trend or any social media trend. Now it's all over social media of, gosh, what happens if we don't raise the debt ceiling? And we act kind of like this is the first time ever this has happened, but it's not. 
No. And, you know, I'm uh, I'm now Medicare age. Uh, I'm a bona fide citizen. And uh, or, wait, senior, <laughs> senior citizen. citizen. I'm a bona fide senior citizen. I'm just not petrified yet. <laughs> so anyhow, um, what I uh, look at is when I hear this uh, ceiling budget, uh, budget ceiling uh, issue, it means nothing to me other than a bunch of uh, chitter chatter, a lot of noise. Uh, they'll kick the can down the road. They'll suspend it probably. And by the end of the year, they'll have a new budget. Uh, they'll agree to something. They got to give and take and, you know, line some stuff in there for their constituencies and how they get some of their whatever they get funding for different things. And, and, and all in all, we'll just move on as American citizens. We won't feel much pain. We'll hear the noise. We'll get nervous about it. And uh, everything will be fine after that. The federal government will start spending money like wildfire again, like they always do. And actually, if you look at what this debt ceiling is, it's not new money being spent. It's just raising the debt ceiling to cover current spending and current budget uh, that's already been done. So they're just trying to pass the ceiling so that the current issues can be covered. It's not that they're raising the ceiling going, all right, we raise the ceiling and we can go on a spending spree again. In essence, they will do that anyhow, right? Well, that's what gets us into the situation, right, is that once we've decided, and I say we, but once once DC has decided what we're going to spend on, they create the budget. And the funny thing is, unlike normal human beings that have to function in regular society, they can say, we want to spend X amount of dollars, whether or not they have that income or not, right? <laughs> they can say, hey, we're going to spend a few trillion dollars this year. I know that our income from the IRS, as in income tax and all that stuff, is only like a trillion dollars. So we're just going to have to come up and probably borrow the rest of it. But they pass that budget no matter what. The budget gets passed every single time, it feels like, of, well, yeah, it's going to be more than what we have coming in, but we'll just borrow the rest of it. And that's when we run into this debt ceiling situation where, okay, we have the budget already set. We're going to spend X amount of dollars this year. The problem is we're running out of dollars, so we need to borrow more. But we have these different guardrails, which are kind of a joke in my opinion, these different guardrails that say, hey, we can't borrow more than X amount of dollars, and this is what we decided a few years ago. Well, now we're kicking the can down the road to the next time to where we need to borrow more dollars and more dollars and more dollars. So yeah, you're right. We're not going on a spending spree. We're just planning to spend and cover the obligations we've already made. But the downside right. is is that this scares people. The U.S., uh, you know, and we look at this, the U.S. has never defaulted on any of their debts when it comes to, you know, the U.S. Uh, like bond side of the world. And that's one of the things why they're considered such a safe investment. The U.S. is this place where, hey... They've always paid their debts to the people that they borrow money from. They always pay their interest rates the way that they said they have. It is a consistent, good, quality investment when it comes to the bond side of the world. Well, if they do default and they do run out and they run into this debt ceiling and they don't have any more money, now all of a sudden they have to default on that debt. They have to stop giving you know Social Security checks for millions of Americans. There's all kinds of different things that are going to go down. If it happens the way that, you know, the doomsdayers and the news media would like you to think. Well, and this is the play every time, right? So we've had, uh, and you and I were talking about how many times we've had this uh, debt fight. There's been, what, 90 times since... uh, since like the early 1900s, like 1920 something or 1940. I, I have a note here. It's 74 times since 1962 we've had a debt ceiling. And 90 there. times overall. So that's but it crazy. hasn't really become a big issue since 2011 is when it started. And since 2011 till current, 
it's been a big deal. Highly politicized. And so the scare tactics mostly come from the news media. Oh, believe that or not, they exponentially freak people out and create emotion. I can't imagine the news media doing that, but that's what's really going on. Yeah. And every one of them has been resolved always. Now, going back to the U.S. ever defaulting, I did read in one of the articles that they have defaulted in history. I don't know. I didn't go in depth to mm-hmm. see when it was, but it's never been because of a ceiling budget, uh, a raising of the ceiling okay. bu- of the budget. So can't even, the I can't even talk right. So it's never been connected to budget uh, ceilings. Okay. It's been, there was probably way, way back in the day, they must have defaulted on some stuff somewhere, sure. but it's not connected at all. So the article was basically saying that, you know, just because there's a budget ceiling argument going on does not mean necessarily we're going to default. Although they're going to make the scare tactics. They're going to say, if your Social Security checks, you know, so you need to talk to your representative and tell them to pass that budget thing mm-hmm. because we're going to shut you off. It's never happened. So right. it's all threats and they go to they go right to your pocketbook. I mean, if they didn't threat Social Security, people would be like, oh, it's not going to affect me. Well, yeah, yeah it's going to affect you. And so those are things that they're going to use and you're going to hear more about. But my guess is they'll end up suspending this thing for a few more months while they try to continue to work it out. Treasury will step up the plate, pay the bills. And then over what is a long term period from like 2000 or something, we had to pay like how many billions? 18 billion in interest interest. extra because they weren't making payments during that time. Yes. It's all this additional interest that just adds to the debt. So by arguing, we're creating more debt. By arguing about not raising the debt ceiling, we're creating more debt. It's just funny how that works. It's a snowball going down the hill or a train going down the tracks. You can't stop it. You really can't. It just keeps getting worse. If we go back, so the most recent ones, there's been three major debt ceiling, if you want to call it a crisis, or arguments, whatever you want to call it. There's three major ones in the last, you know, 10 to 15 years. The the biggest one where the, like you had said, where it's become most politicized, the news media taking a hold of it, was 2011. Right after the craziness and the, the Great Recession of you know 2007 to 2009, that range where things were so bad, we come out of it in 2011 and you know got to raise the debt ceiling to cover up some of the obligations that we you know we're going to have to pay out through the budget that we've created. Well, now there's become this argument in 2011 that oh we can you know one side of the aisle can argue against the other one and we can make this into a really interesting you know debate on. Who, what our political platform is, and who's going to stop the increase of you know spending, and who's going to you know spend more, all that good stuff. So 2011, and that's when things were really weird because the reason why people get scared about a lot of this is the markets that their retirement investments can be affected by this. Because in 2011, from July to August, during some of the major arguments. The Dow dropped over 2,000 points in a short one-month period, which is a lot. So from January to the end of August, the Dow was down about 9.5% for the year, which looked pretty dismal. And people are going, wow, if we default on our debt and things go downhill, the U.S. is going downhill, the government's going to blow up, we're never going to have any order, it's going to be anarchy, we need to get our money out of the markets, and people panicked, right? And that's where a lot of this scare tactic of the media right now is. They go, look, your Social Security check and your retirement account are about to just get hammered if they don't raise the debt ceiling, so you have some things to worry about. Well, the funny thing is, is that 
by the time that whole debt ceiling argument came in, the Treasury stepped in, made some extreme measures to make sure that things were paid and no one lost their government jobs and everyone got their Social Security check on time while they argued all the way through the next few months until they finally came to a deal. The funny thing is, by the end of the year, the Dow, it wasn't down 9.5%. It was actually, for the year, positive 5%. 5.53% for the year of 2011. So it dipped and took a nosedive for a couple of months because everyone was worried and bounced right off the bottom into a positive year. Funny how that works. Yeah, yeah, I call that, we always use the, that's a knee-jerk reaction. So yeah. people panic during that. And once they saw it go, they panicked more and went to cash probably. And the ones who went to cash are the ones who lost because they didn't get that opportunity to come back that 9.5% plus another 5.5% almost in just a few months. Yeah. That's quite a turnaround. It's a huge but it happens jump. a lot. And once again, and I've said this many, many times in the past, it's just a blip on the radar screen, right? People right. forgot about it. Absolutely. That gets wiped out, right? If you look over the last 15 years of returns, you look at 2011 and go, oh, wow, that was a great year. It must have just been straight up in, in the markets all year long. What a great time to be alive. They don't remember that for that three-month or four-month period when the markets were so volatile that a lot of people pulled out. You were telling me about a client of yours that pulled out hundreds of thousands of dollars because he panicked. They thought the government was going to collapse. Yes. Yep. Pulled it all out and... Went into a fixed account where he's make he was making at that time I think three uh, percent somewhere around three percent, and uh, he's never had changed it. He's always been at cash because he doesn't trust the government. But he totally freaked out, and uh, that was one of my uh, tough lessons as a an advisor. Was uh, he was he's still a good client, but he's no longer in the markets, and he's missed out on. Tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars over oh, that last decade. Could have been a lot of money today by now. But the point is that I always uh, have made statements that I was weak. I didn't argue with him hard enough. I just did what he wanted to do. And sometimes that's the tough love you and I have to do as advisors. Right. When you call in here, if you're a client and you go, I want to go to cash, I'm panicking. Sometimes we have to have that tough love talk. And you may not like what we say. And uh, we may set you free if you don't listen to us, too, right. sometimes. And I'm not saying we do that to everybody, or, but it is a tough love conversation to go. You need to just have faith mm -hmm. in the markets over, of all the years in the past. Have faith in it. Listen to us. Trust us as your advisor. If you're an advisor and you trust us, you're using us, then trust when we say, do not panic in these modes. It will be a blip on the radar screen. We could see a very no, a, another similar scenario that we saw in 2011. Right? Could be. Absolutely. Now, here's the funny thing, though, is that we can look at the other two major debt ceiling crisis conversations that we've had in the last decade. One was in 2013. The other one was just not too long ago in 2021. Now, the 2013 one is an interesting one because it was another raising, routine raising of the debt ceiling to cover the budget, whatever. But that was right around the time when uh, the Affordable Care Act came out, the Obamacare stuff. And the Republicans in Congress said, hey, you railroaded us on this. We're going to not raise the debt ceiling. We're going to put you in a corner and say you have to repeal Obamacare. Well, we know how that all worked out for them. You have to repeal the whole thing and get it out of here before we pass a debt ceiling raising. And otherwise, it's going to look like a big black mark on your resume that you never, you know, you had to fire government employees and markets tank because you couldn't, you know, give up, you know, the ship or whatever it is. Now, here's the funny thing is that 
2013, only two years after the 2011 debt ceiling issue and people panicked and then got back in the market, it was all good. 2013, the Dow Jones was up 26%. The debt ceiling had no effect on the markets. They had a whole argument. The Treasury stepped in. There was months where there was a question of whether the government was going to shut down, whether they were going to be able to pay people, Social Security checks. The markets didn't care. They had seen in the past that this is a short-term battle. It's a short-term blip. Now, overall, was there some volatility during that time? I can almost guarantee that the markets were bouncing back and forth for a little while. Yes. But in the end, were things positive? Did companies make profits? Did companies grow? The same conversation we have about investments with our retirement clients all the time is trust the long-term returns. Yeah, there's always going to be scuffles in the short term. But in 2013, the last major debt ceiling thing, 26%, 21 post-COVID, right? So this is COVID. Uh, they, the pandemic. The pandemic. They wrote the bill that said, hey, it is unlimited spending from the government. Send out your stimulus checks. Do whatever you need to do to get us through this. Keep the markets from tanking. Well, that ran out in 2021. And then they had to have the conversation of, do we raise the debt ceiling? Well, here we are, the first year of President Biden's administration, and the Republicans are back again to say, hey, we want to we wanna get our name in the news media again. We're going to fight this debt ceiling raising. We don't want the Democrats to get another win in, under their belt that they think that they just dominated us. So we're going to argue and, make this, and push this out as long as we can. And for months and months and months, they argued about it. Treasury stepped in, whatever, you know, it was all good to go. And then they raised the debt ceiling, just like they always do. Now... Was that like January of 22 or something? They raised the debt ceiling? It was, it was the end of the year. So it happened. It drew it out like for months. 18 months ago. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's really, it's crazy how this all, all, how all this pans out. Not very long ago. And guess what the returns for the Dow Jones were in 2021? Positive 18%. This is the reality of debt ceiling raisings. It's, it is a major deal. And yeah, the politicians have to argue it out. But it doesn't seem to be the end of the world. We've done it. 70 plus times in the last 50, 60 years, right? It's not crazy to think that this is just a normal, casual thing that the news media has hyped up and has made us all worried about our pocketbooks and our retirement over just to get our eyeballs on the TV and on their news articles. Well, the news media is going to make it uh, sensationalized that this is a, you know, this is unheard of. We've never, this is unprecedented. We've never been here before. And you people are going to lose your paychecks and people are going to lose jobs over this. And this is a crisis because you know what? They want to create emotion Mm -hmm. so they can sell more advertising because you'll go back and watch that over you'll get addicted to watching it all day long or i gotta oh i gotta listen and see what's going on what happened today and again that brings up uh, viewership which creates higher dollars for advertising and that is their gig and what they do is they can ruin your day over this stuff it's wild because like you said they sensationalize it like this has never happened before when it truly just happened a year and a half or almost two years ago. Yep. It's not that far behind And us. there was sensationals going on, sensationalization going on back then, but guess what? We've all forgotten about that. We did. Because we can't think back that far. It's a blip on the radar screen in our minds. Right. You know? It's, so. it's the age that we're in that we get so overwhelmed with the information right in front of us. And it, it's interesting if we go back through history... There isn't any new fears or new arguments that are going on about 
the negativity that's going on out there. If you look back 50, 60, 70 years ago, everyone was worried about whether or not they're going to have you know their retirement accounts in a healthy place, whether or not their company was going to have the money to pay their pension out, whether or not you know they were going to be able to put food on their table for their family. So those fears, they've been the same exact fears that the media has preyed on and that a lot of stuff has been preyed on over a long period of time. It's nothing new. It's all the same. But yet, we can just add a little bit of salt to that and twist it a little bit and make it sound like this is a new thing to be afraid of. It's not. And the reality is the people in DC are humans too. They have pocketbooks. They get paid by the government. So they are absolutely incentivized to raise this debt ceiling because they too will lose money. If they drive the markets down into a big old pit, do you think that someone in Congress is going to go, wait a second, I lost tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars in my IRA. I don't like this. Let's just get this thing passed and be done with it. We're all humans. We're all trying to strive for the very same thing. Now we're going to all have our ego battles and we're all going to try to prove our point. But in, in the end, this is all going to get figured out like it has in the past. Now I can't say for sure. And yeah, there may be some blips in the radar. The markets may tank a little bit over this summer as they argue some of this stuff out. But it doesn't mean that this is the end of the world and the U.S. government is gone forever. It's just another routine debt ceiling raising just like every year in the past. Yeah, and you know, they could not come to an agreement, which would be detrimental, which Absolutely. would be a bad thing. But also remember that all those people that are arguing their little fights and battles in Washington right now, it's OPM. They're arguing about other people's money, not their own OPM, money. OPM, I like it. OPM, other people's money. They're battling using other people's money. It's not their money that right. they're spending down there. And uh, if it's not their money, then they'll argue about it, make it look good. And then in the end, they'll go, oh, you know, it's not really my money. So, you know, we'll pass it on. We'll get we'll work it out. But, you know, you need to give and take a little bit here and there. Right. And they all will eventually because, you know, they all know that like what you said, it has to come it has to come to a positive ending. It does. There's no option. No. And we've already heard this week, you know, in the, yesterday I was reading an article where negotiations are better. That that came straight from the majority leader or whatever or whoever it was. And it's like interesting how negotiations haven't been getting better at all but now that we're getting towards the deadline and the markets are faltering a little bit over the last week they haven't you know shot up or got anything exciting oh well now that things aren't getting better in the markets the negotiations are getting better and you'll notice that the markets have stayed pretty flat in the last 24 to 48 hours just because of that they're holding on kind of seeing how is this going to play out if negotiations are getting better then maybe everything's getting better and you may see that if they make a deal out of all this you may see the markets pop up they may delay the deal and they this treasury has to step in you may see the markets pop down but in the grand scheme of things it's all a part of your retirement plan over a long period of time Five years from now, you're not going to remember it, just like you don't remember the 2021 debt ceiling arguments. Ten years from now, you're not going to remember it, just like you don't remember the 2013 debt ceiling arguments. It's just a blip on the radar in the long grand scheme of things. And remember, since 1962, there's been 74 events of debt ceiling raising right. arguments. It's just heated up louder since 2011. So it's nothing new. This is nothing no. new. So, you know, the big thing is to stay the course. And the other thing that they're touting still, too, is, you know, the recession. Mm, well, yes, everyone's favorite. And this is the other fear that I talked. Well, we got this debt ceiling crisis and the recession's just beginning. They're saying, you know, it's going to happen later this summer. And, you know, this is going to be this is double whammy. Well, you know, the recession's been counted for for a, 
almost a year now. Right. They've been saying we're going to have a recession. So, and it, and, and whether it was in the mainstream media last summer, it was on our radar screens from economists that we listen to or read about. And so this is nothing new. The market has pretty well priced a recession in. Now, does that mean there's not going to be knee-jerk stuff, you know, where it's going to dip and be volatile this year? But they've already pretty much priced in the crap, all right? So if it's already priced in, if you panic now and get out, when are you going to get back in? Because Mm -hmm. if it's already priced in, it may come back faster. And in fact, usually in the past it has, comes back faster whenever stuff's been pre-priced in and people right. panic at that point. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You know, kind of- what, I, what I was, I was just talking to a friend last night about this, and he's a podcast listener. We were just talking about this, that it's funny that over the last two or three months, the inflation numbers have steadily decreased. Now, not substantially, but they're on a decline of inflation. And a year ago, if you would have asked any market guru, what do we need to start seeing the markets tick back up? They're going to say, we want to see steady inflation decreasing. We want to get rid of inflation. We want to see a good pattern that's heading that direction. Well, it's been happening for the last two or three months. The problem is, is that the thing that's overwhelmed that conversation of inflation, because it's been such a long, drawn-out conversation, is this current debt ceiling thing. So wouldn't, wouldn't that be interesting? And again, I'm not a prognosticator. I'm not saying go jump in the markets. But wouldn't it be interesting if all of a sudden they make a debt ceiling deal and the uh, inflation has been dropping for the past few months, wouldn't that be crazy if the markets just decided, oh, those are all good signals for us to move forward, right? Maybe this is going to be a soft landing towards a recession, away from a recession, towards a soft landing into a healthy spot of inflation. I can't say that for sure, because in the end, we don't know what the next few months are going to bring. But overall, what we're finding is, is that the markets are leading indicators, they are thinking of things that are happening 6, 12, 18 months from now when they price in what they're buying and selling. Those guys on Wall Street, they're not your average everyday Joe that's just watching Fox News, right? Or or CNN. They're the they're guys who are feet boots on the ground in these companies going, "What are you going to do over the next year to 10 years that is going to make you a different company than everybody else?" And that's what they're pricing in when they buy those companies. And so when you think about that, the conversation on the news media of the recession, shoot, that was talked about two years ago with those guys in those companies, right? So that's already a piece of that. Now, if something changes and there's new news, that's what changes the trajectory over the next six to 12 months. That's when the markets shift. But even if we do hit a recession, let's say next month, all of a sudden, they announce that, hey, we're in a recession, which would be an interesting conversation as to how they come up with that. But let's say they announce we're in a recession that's probably not going to change the markets very much. That's already been expected for the last year and a half because we saw the markets dip a huge amount last year, 10 plus percent across the board, some places even more. And so we look at that, we go, okay, if the markets dip that much over the last 12 months, don't you think they were expecting a recession? So if we don't get one, wouldn't that be great news that we're heading in the right direction? The markets might change their trajectory. We just don't know. And that's the thing. We just don't know. Nobody knows. And so, therefore, you stay the course. You don't make any adjustments. You Reba- trust the process. Rebalance your portfolio. I rebalanced a couple today. needed rebalance. Yep. Just rebalance the portfolio. Make sure that you're in the risk levels that you, you have wanted to be in long term. Don't make a decision on risk levels based on today's news and what you think might happen or an assumption that you think, I think it's going to do well. If you're going to make your investment decisions based on that, 
you're probably making some uh, grave mistakes. And so that's why it's so hard uh, for us sometimes. But this is when we have to do our job, keep people focused, stay the course, stay in that same mix that you're in. When things mellow out a little bit, then you make adjustments if the risk bothered you too much. But personally, I don't, you know, I don't know the future either. But my gut tells me that we've been through a lot already. And, uh, you know, I think we'll come out where we're on the backside of this thing, if anything. And who knows when that backside ends. There is no new normal, right? Right. I mean, anymore. But my guess is that we've we've taken a pretty good hit already. Well, and I hope that I hope that's true. Um, and so, like you said, Brad, rebalancing is important. Getting a good diversified portfolio is important. Designing all of that around a retirement plan that's fit specifically to you and your income needs, that's important. That's what we do. We are the advisors that help you get to that point. So if you're looking for a new advisor, you can head over to our website, www.fikeadvisors.com. There's a schedule now button in the top right corner. If you want to schedule a free consultation with us, we just can sit down, whether it's online, over Zoom, over the phone, whether you come to our office if you're local, sit down, chat through your stuff, and see what we can do to help you to get you on track to retire as soon as possible. Because the idea here is that Yes, things are always going to be the news headlines that are doom and gloom and the markets are ending, the government's ending, the dollar's going to be worthless. But the reality is over the last 20, 30, 40, 100 years, that has never been the case. We're seeing that the the positive trajectory line, it's not a straight line, but over a long period of time, you're going to, from point A to point B, head in the correct direction. And you can build yourself a really healthy retirement as long as you trust that process and stay the course. So if you want to talk to us about what your situation is, head over to our website, fikeadvisors.com. Click schedule now. We'd love to chat with you. Any final thoughts as we wrap this thing up? Well, you know, I just happened to be in LinkedIn the other day and noticed that I have financial yo guy. Yo, uh, he's back. And, you know, we haven't really talked about financial yo guy. Being, being financially being flexible. Financially flexible. This is a time where you have to reflect on the financial <laughs> yo guy lessons and start uh, using those lessons. But we all must remain flexible physically and mentally when it comes to investing, for sure. Physically, mentally, financially. I feel like that's a business card for you. Financial I, yoga. Yeah. I could be. An, <laughs> I could go on TV and be the financial yoga. So what it, channel would I go on? I don't know. I'm thinking in our industry, like if we, if we say that we have a certain credential and we don't, you could get heavily fined. Is there like a yoga society that can find you for calling yourself a yoga guy or a yogi or whatever they call themselves? Yeah, but I don't think using yoga is official. So oh, so you're it? safe. You're good. Well, if they want, to- I'm just worried about my legal exposure as your partner in the business of you calling yourself financial yogi. I look yoga. at it if if the yoga people come after me, I will show them some stretches and go. I know my yoga. <laughs> You know what? I hope they come after you because I want to see that situation. (laughs) Oh, you wait. I'll put my tights on. I'll stretch for them. Yikes. And on that note, we're going to wrap this thing up real quick. Well, thanks for joining us today. If you guys have any questions, again, head over to our website and we'll talk to you guys in our next episode. Investment advisory services provided by Fike Advisors, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Please consult a professional before taking any action. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.